morning, everyone. It's great to see you guys. And that was, that was awesome and really great songs just to lead in where we're going today. Um, so if, you, if you're um, new just recently, we, we started this series earlier in the year called The Way. Um, and because there's so much to cover, we thought instead of getting stuck in one thing for a long time, we'll sort of break it up over a few sections. So we sort of started, the goal is to go through the Sermon on the Mount and just sort of break it into sections to make it a bit easier. Um, yeah, Rupert's kids, you guys can <laughs> and um, yeah, this might be a little bit more actually. We find out there. Um, so we're, we're heading back into a block, um, going through this. I think for about the next five weeks, and we're just taking a little segment at a time and just trying to really work out what is Jesus saying, what does he want us to do, and the kind of the big theme of the series is really that that. To, to know Jesus is not just to believe facts about him and who he is, but to actually live a lifestyle that follows this lifestyle. And sometimes we can kind of reduce Christianity to just what we believe intellectually, what we say, this is, this is what we believe, this is our faith. But actually in the New Testament times, the followers of Jesus were known as people of the way. It was actually a way of life. It was actually, Jesus was calling people to follow him, to pattern their life after him, and what he was showing them was what does it look like to live in God's kingdom? When God is in charge, when God has touched our hearts and given us new hearts, what does that look like? That's the one day, one day that's how the world is going to be. God's kingdom will come fully. But in Jesus it has started and we enter it and now he calls us to live as it will be. To start it today. To start living out this new life. And these are not like rules that we have to try and work hard to keep. We get given a new heart, we're forgiven, we're giving our grace, we're saved by grace. But his grace isn't just that we're forgiven, but he gives us grace and power then to live and follow him and grow and let this, this way of love and this way of Jesus grow and develop more and more. So that's kind of the, the theme with where we're going. And then we're breaking it down. Jesus sort of goes through all different things and we've covered some pretty hard stuff in the last section. Um, we're looking at what Jesus is doing scripture and he has such a high view of scripture. Um, and then that, that he wants us to not follow just the laws, but remember not to follow the laws, but to live from this new heart that actually goes deeper. And then Jesus takes these laws and actually gets to the root of them. And what does it actually mean to live in God's kingdom? We looked at anger um, and murder. We looked at adultery. We looked at divorce. And then I was thinking this week, finally something that's a little bit easier. Right? This is, this, they've been heavy. They've been hard. But this week I'm like, oh, it's this doesn't seem too bad. Like, finally, Jesus, we get a little bit of a break. We can just sort of go. I was actually going to put this one with the next one and try and kill two birds with one stone and do it a bit faster. But once I got into this, I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> this, you don't get a break. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is challenging. So uh, we're going to go through, and what we've been saying as well in this series, we're just starting with Jesus. We're saying, what does Jesus want to talk about? What does he say is important? If you follow someone, you look where they're going, and you, and you go where they're going. So don't start with ourselves, we start with him. So we're just sort of going with what he says is important. And he says oaths are important. And we're going to look at why it was relevant to them, how this kind of applies today, how I think it's quite challenging and important as well. So we're going to go through, I might just pray, and then we'll, then we'll have a look. Yeah, Father, we just thank you um, for your word um, that you wrote. Jesus, this, this, this sermon that you spoke, Thank you that you're present here by your spirit. 
And thank you that we can just sing about your name even that's lifted high and is holy. And um, would you just yeah, lead us and speak to our hearts. Show us how this, this, this teaching is relevant to us today, God. And would you show us how to live in your kingdom in all the different um, areas and, and ways and places we go about week to week. Um, so would you just speak now by your spirit, um, by your word, Lord. In your name. Amen. Okay, so this is what Jesus says. Again, you have heard that it was said to men of old. So again, this is like the theme. Jesus is, is going back to the law and said this is what was said and this is part of the Old Testament laws. You shall not swear falsely. Now this is not swearing like a swear word. This is swearing like an oath. When you, you swear that you will do something. You, and, and, and people would swear by God's name. And, and again, we just were singing about his name, which is his holy. And if someone really wanted to make a point about something, they would swear by God's name, by the name of Yahweh, that I will do this, or that I'm saying the truth, and so forth. And that was allowed. But the rule was, you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Like, if you do that, if you say something in the name of God, if you, if you swear it, you better keep it. It's really important. This is was in Leviticus. It said this, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So if someone was to swear something in God's name and then not follow through of it, it's kind of saying that that's not really a big deal. That God's name's not really a big deal. It, it profanes his name. So it was important. If someone did that, that they followed through. It says this in Numbers 12. If a man vows a vow to the Lord, or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So this, this was the teaching that was understood. And this, this was important in some ways. Like this was an oral culture. Like there wasn't really contracts and things that you signed. Um, so if, someone, if there was a dispute, actually someone taking an oath or swearing was a significant thing. Right. Like... Like, they actually believed. Like, our culture, people might swear by God, but often we'll say that it doesn't really mean anything. But for this culture, like, that was a serious thing to do. So if you're in an argument with somebody, and they took an oath by the name of God, the argument's pretty much over. Like, that, that settles it. Like, like it's, it's that serious a thing to do. But, but we still do do this today, right? Like, we still, people still swear um, in this way. Say... When um, someone really just wants to make a point about just how serious a topic is, or how serious something they're saying is, and just how truthful something they're saying is, people will swear. They'll say, they might say, I swear to God. They might say, I swear by my mother's head, or my, my kids, or like they might, they might say something. Or we just really say, I promise that this is true. Like, like we often, in the same way, can use language to really make a point that something serious, that something important, and, and I think to a degree, right, we understand that if someone does that, they really should do what they said. Like, if someone really makes a sincere promise or really takes an oath, they also should really do that, otherwise their word is kind of devalued. So we, we do kind of have a parallel, but it's not really the same kind of parallel that they have. But there were certain issues that started to occur with this, and, and there were issues that Jesus is speaking into in the context. One issue is just that, this, this like, thing that is supposed to be really a, 
set apart for certain things, could start getting used for all sorts of things. That people will just swear that something silly, like I, I swear to you that I got this discount at the store the other day. Like, like they might just start using this all the time, and it just that starts to dishonor God's name or dishonor people's word. But the bigger issue that was going on that Jesus is speaking into is that people realized, right, that this is so serious. If you swear by the name of God, you have to keep it. So what people did, which is quite clever, was find ways to kind of avoid swearing by the name of God, but you're still swearing. So they would say, um, I swear by heaven. And then they might say, I swear by heaven that if you give me two bales of hay, I'll share my donkey with you next week. Or something, and then you, they give you the hay, and then they come for your donkey, and you say, Oh, I didn't swear by God, I just saw by heaven, so I don't, I don't really have to keep it. And that was actually like a, a rule. And, and Jesus actually points this out in, um, in later in Matthew, in Matthew 23. He, he talks about some of the things the Pharisees would do. They would say, He said this If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if someone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound. So they would come up with these weird little things. It's like, oh no, I wasn't, I wasn't swearing by the gold. It was just the temple. So I don't have to keep it. Well, there's this other one. Um, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if he swears by the gift of the altar, he is bound by his oath. This is kind of like the old like, way of like, having your fingers crossed when you make a promise. It's like, oh no, I have my fingers crossed, I don't have to do it. Or kids say stuff like, oh no, it was opposite day. Like, so I don't know, and I said, yes, but it's opposite day, so I don't have to do it anymore. Like, like this is like, this is kind of getting around. Like, they're trying to make a point with their language, but they don't want to follow through and stay true to their words. It's this, this ways of avoidance, which is actually just ways to manipulate people, to use language to try to control people and influence people. And Jesus starts to get to the root of this, and this is what he says. So he said, and in the old is, if you take notes, you need to fulfill it. He says this, but I say to you, do not swear at all. This is a significant thing to say at that time. Either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Jesus just destroys this whole compartmentalized way of thinking about life that they're brought into. Jesus says, if you swear by heaven, you think that you don't have to be bound by that because God's not involved. No, that's God's throne. God is involved there. If you swear by the earth, you think God's not involved. No, that's his footstool. He's involved. He's involved in Jerusalem. Then people might even say, I swear by my own head. Jesus says, and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Jesus is calling out this issue that actually all of life is God's. All things are God's. Even our head, even our bodies are God's. Therefore, if we swear, we're swearing by God. Whatever we swear by is by God. And therefore, it is serious and significant. And Jesus is saying to them, don't swear at all. And what he's really getting to, again, is the root issue. Why do people need to swear? Why do people need to say, I'm really telling the truth. I, I, I swear to God that this is, this is true. Why do people need to say that? The reason is, is because their general everyday speech is not trustworthy. And they need to make a point that in this particular statement, this is true. 
There's this really interesting quote by a guy who's a, he was a German theologian around um, the start of sort of last century, around, around the war as well. And he made this quote about oaths, which is so interesting. He, he said this, Whenever I utter the formula, I swear by God, I'm really saying this, now I'm going to mark off an area of absolute truth and put walls around it to cut it off from the muddy floods of untruthfulness and irresponsibility that ordinarily overruns my speech. That's pretty intense, right? He's saying, like, now I'm telling you the truth, but by saying that, indirectly saying everything else probably wasn't true. He says this, in fact, I'm saying even more than this. I'm saying that people are expecting me to lie from the start. And just because they are counting on my line, I have to bring up these big guns of oaths and words of mine. Saying, this is actually what's going on. That when, when the Pharisees back then, when people back then, when people today have to really emphasize, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, I swear, it, it, it devalues everything else we say. And it means that in general, we're not telling the truth, but now we are. But the sad thing, and even worse thing, is again, often, they still won't even tell the truth for they'll swear. They would swear by the temple, but then it's not the gold, so they don't have to do it. And so this wasn't even about truth at all, this was about manipulation. This is about control. This is about using words to get people to do something that you want them to do, or to protect yourself from them doing something to you. It gets right down to the root of the issue. So, you might be still thinking though, well, this, that's still not that big a deal, right? Like, okay, I just won't say that swear. I just won't take oaths anymore. That's not that hard. I don't really do that that much anyway. I just won't say, I swear, I won't take an oath. I won't, I won't do that anymore. But Jesus goes further. He finishes with this one little sentence. He says, therefore, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Well, the, I think it's the passage in James, or even this passage can, can go, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. So when you say yes, it means yes. When you say no, it means no. This is not just about not saying I swear. This is about all of our speech being truthful all the time. This is how a couple of um, commentators describe this. I feel like this summarizes it so well what the real point that he's getting to and why this is challenging. He says, our truthfulness should be so consistent and dependable that we need no oath to support it. A simple yes or no should suffice. That no one should even need to ask us to take an oath. Another commentator says, our mere word should be as utterly trustworthy as a signed document, legally correct and complete. Like our culture does give weight to a signed document, right? It's like you sign that, like you're bound. We should be just simply bound by yes or by no. What Jesus is really saying, the way of Jesus is to be people who are so true to their word that we never need to take an oath. That people would never think to ask us to take an oath because we are always so true to our word. And you think, wow, that is hard. Like, that is challenging. That gets to the real root of the issue. In our, in our often unwillingness to speak the truth, because the truth can cost us. The truth can be hard. The truth can be scary. <coughs> I, I have been feeling challenged by this this week, and I, I still feel challenged by this. Um, 
one one reason I think is because, and I'm just I just want to share a little bit vulnerably today. I I feel like I, I don't feel like I lie a lot, but I've been aware recently that I can still subtly manipulate and control other people by not saying certain things or by being very careful what I say. And sometimes in a conversation with someone, very often in a conversation with someone, it's not that I'm mostly aware of what I'm saying is true. Often I can be more aware of the other person and how they will respond to what I'm saying and therefore be careful what I say and, and judge what I say and manage what I say depending on how they will respond. And when you get to the root of it, it's, it's manipulation. It's control. It's, it's using words or not using words to protect myself. I feel really challenged by that. What, what, to, to actually be people who just speak truth, the only way that can happen is by actually releasing people to respond however they respond. To cease trying to control other people. To cease trying to control circumstances. This is how Dallas Willow kind of summarizes this. He says, as God's free creatures, people are to be left to make their decisions without coercion or manipulation. We actually are not to try and control how people respond to us. Hence, let your affirmation be just an affirmation, a yes, and your denial just a denial, a no. He said, anything more than this comes from evil, an evil intent to get one's way by verbal manipulation of the thoughts and choices of others. So this can be even a very subtle thing that was more aware and, and often even just not wanting to upset somebody, which sometimes may be right. This is not saying that we just go around just hard truth to everybody all the time, just always just, that's not, because that's not what Jesus did, right? Like, truth goes with love, and we're going to look at that later on. And this is not saying that whatever question anybody asks you, we have to be fully open and vulnerable, because again, Jesus didn't do that. People asked Jesus questions, and he would push back, and he would respond, always in truth, never lied. It doesn't mean that you just open a book, that, that whatever someone asks you, you have to tell them everything. Um, but, but at the same time, speaking truth can cost. And Jesus found that as well. He would speak truth, and it would cost. People would not like it. So I think this is, this is a challenge. This is hard. But it's so important. I want to give you just three reasons, a couple of stories why I think this is, is so important. The first one is trust. Right, trust comes back so often to people's word. Like, it's an amazing thing when you think about it. I, I kind of feel a little bit like, in our culture, the value of our word just isn't very high. I don't know if it's partly, we, we kind of joke a lot and so forth, which is, is really good, but sometimes you can say stuff and you're just like, oh, I just said that. Like, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what you say. But when it comes to trust, it really matters what you say. Like, in some ways, the only way you can really know somebody deeply is by them sharing themselves with you and you believing what they say. Like, your word is so important in that way. I, I had an experience, you might have had an experience like this as well, where someone, you found out someone's been lying to you over a long time. I once had a, a, a student um, who I had suspected was lying, not about big things, just, just little things. And one day I, I basically found them out. I did, did it's like they said something and I checked it and I found out they were lying, confronted them about it. And... After that, it's really hard to believe anything they say. As soon as you lose that trust, 
it's like, how, how do you tell me this? How do I know if it's true? You were lying about all these other things. Once the trust is gone, it's incredibly hard. And the only way is for it to build back up slowly through honesty and through, through following through and through building it. At the same time, though, someone who is trustworthy, who is true to their word, that like unlocks these amazing potentials. Um, this week I was at um, a conference that, about mentoring by Keith Farmer. Some of you guys probably know him. I, I asked if I could talk about him today because I was just so impressed with him. And he's this, this guy, I think he's late, late 70, 76, I think, and um, amazing life. And now God is just using him to mentor Christian leaders around Australia. He's got like 80 Christian leaders. I think some of them are probably pretty high-profile Christian leaders um, that will come to him and will share and share things that they probably can't really share with anybody else. He will support them. He will, he will care for them, mentor them. And the thing I just felt like that was the reason, one of the reasons I, I kind of perceived that why he has such an effect is that he has such great integrity that people can trust him. That if he says this is confidential, it's not going outside these walls, people believe him and therefore can share. That if he if he says, I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna do this, or says something else, like people believe that just by saying that it's true, he's gonna do it. And once you have that level of integrity and trust, it unlocks all these possibilities that people will actually trust you and actually be able to open up and actually be able to share and entrust themselves to you. It was this amazing um, ministry and influence that he's had. I, I feel like so much of it is because of that integrity, the value of his word, the respect for people as well. And therefore, that links into intimacy. That only by being people of the truth can we actually have intimacy with others. Often, this is what we want, right? Deep down, we want to be known by other people. We want to be loved for who we are. We want this close connection with God and with other people. But often we hide. We hide the truth about ourselves. We, we hide where we're really at. Because we're afraid that if we actually were truthful, if we actually were honest, that we'd be rejected. And again, this is a manipulation. We don't want people to reject so we manage and distort reality and change things to control how people will respond. Because the truth is, if we speak the truth about ourselves, some people might reject us. That's a risk. It's a, it's a real risk. But the opposite side of that is that we often fear sharing. But often, when someone actually shares, when someone gets to the place of vulnerability, just raw truth, people actually grow closer. They're often not rejected, but actually move toward them. I don't know if you've had this, when someone someone shares something really vulnerably, afraid of how you're going to respond, and you're just filled with love for them, and you move towards them. It actually breeds intimacy and closeness, but also involves risk. You have to release them to respond how they will respond. But the only way, but, but, but what's worse, right, is just being fake. Because if we're fake, if we're not true, any love we receive is not received, really. We don't know if it's really they're really loving us. Not that it's really true intimacy. It's, it's kind of a false connection, a false intimacy. So being people of truth, people of word, is so important for trust, for intimacy, and as well for freedom. And Jesus says this, right? 
that truth is leads to freedom. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And often people can be bound because of wanting to ignore, repress, distort reality. We don't want to deal with something that's there. We don't want to be honest about it. We just wish it would go away. But that can actually lead to bondage and slavery. And actually, as hard as it is sometimes to embrace reality and embrace truth, that can be scary, it can also be incredibly freeing. We actually don't have to hide. We don't have to pretend. We can just be honest. We can just be open. And then we can actually often get healing and freedom as well. So this Jesus, knowing the truth about God, knowing the truth about ourselves, leads to freedom as well. So this, the power of our word, the integrity of our word, is incredibly important for trust, for intimacy, for freedom. See, the way of Jesus is to be people who are so true to their word that we would never need to take an oath. I don't, I don't interpret this, some people do, but I probably don't interpret this that Jesus is saying you must never take an oath if you did need to for a government office or for, for something that happened. Some, some people do, some groups do interpret it like this. Jesus says we must never take an oath. Um, I think the issue is more about truthfulness and never needing to take an oath. That we should be simply people of our word, like Jesus was and is. Right. I was listening to one speaker on this this week, um, and she said, she just highlighted the fact that all these people around the world, so many people around the world, base their entire life and future on the fact that Jesus will do what he said he will do. That's it. Right? Even this message that I'm speaking to you is based on what Jesus said that is true. We're here, the whole reason our church exists is because we believe and trust that Jesus will keep his word. That Jesus' word is faithful, that Jesus' word is true. And it's true. That that Jesus, right, lived this. He was a man of integrity, a man of truth. He was full of grace and truth. This is what he is like. This is what his kingdom is like. And we base our lives on that, that he is trustworthy, that his word is true. And like him, right, this truth goes with love. This truth is for others' benefit. This doesn't mean that we just we just, just blunt, broad truth to everybody. No, no. Like, like truth and honesty in Love. This is a message translation of Ephesians 4.15 talking about the church. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and tell it in love like Christ in everything. So Jesus is our example of this. Jesus is the one that we follow, and this is only possible with him, right? Like this is only possible by his spirit, by his love filling our hearts, by us realizing that we can trust him that we can depend upon him, that we don't need to control and manipulate other people, that we can love them. And loving them means releasing them, and it means speaking the truth in love. So we see the way of Jesus is to be people who are so true to the word that we never need to take an oath. We're going to respond to this um, today by taking communion and, and just remembering, right, that as we were singing about before, like this is our God who is holy, and, and when we have not been truthful, and particularly when we've maybe taken his name and not followed through, 
but like that's serious. And we have fallen short of this perfect standard, God's perfect word. God is holy and truthful. But like Janelle shared last week, she was saying about Isaiah, right? And Isaiah realizes this. He's fallen short. He's got unclean lips in the, in the presence of a holy God. But then the angel comes and, and touches his lips and says, your sin is atoned for. It's gone. You're forgiven. As we come and take communion today, we may feel the weight of this. Man. We have not, we've got unclean lips. We've not been people of truth. We come and realize Jesus was a man of truth and Jesus took our place. And as we take the, the, the juice and the wine today, we realize he is cleansing us. He forgives us. He can purify our lips and purify our speech and give us his grace and his power and his love to walk this way and grow in this direction as we practice, as we grow, as we learn to live in his kingdom together. So we're going to respond. Um, I'm going to pray and then, then we'll take up the communion and we'll take up the offering straight away, straight after. So if you come, come with offering to him. We ran out of time today to get some help. So if there's anyone who could just jump up and, and help um, hand it out as well, that'd be, that'd be really helpful. That'd be great. So I'll, I'm going to pray and then, then we'll lead into that. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you that you, you are true, truth. You are the truth. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Truth is you. you Jesus, you are the center of everything. And we just ask for your grace and your forgiveness when we have been people who distort the truth, who hide behind lies, who seek to manipulate or control or coerce others through our, through our words. And Jesus, we just thank you that you've taken our place and that there's forgiveness and there's grace. And we just thank you for your spirit. And we just ask for your spirit, for your love in our hearts, that we can be people of truth and love, people of grace and truth, people like Jesus, people who would never need to take an oath, people who are known for their yes and their no, people who follow through on what they say, would you make us like that, God? Would you make us as an example to a world that where, where people are not sure about truth, people don't know who can be trusted, but would we be people who are trusted? Would we be a community that's trusted? God, would we be a light by living out your kingdom in this world? And we just say that is only possible by your presence and by your spirit. We, we need you. So, Father, would you, would you move in our midst even just this morning? Would you speak to our hearts? And we just place ourselves in your hand, Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.